Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friday Lives, our weekly show about content creators, about everything like live streaming, and just exceptional people who are creating great videos and great live content. My name is Anya. I'm your host here in Austin, Texas, part of Restream team. And if you're new to the show, we are running this on Restream Studio. This is, in my opinion, the easiest way to go live on multiple platforms at the same time. Super easy, directly from your browser with cool features like your logos, branding, inviting guests, adding captions. So if you're thinking about starting your own live show, check us out at Restream io slash studio today we have a very special event and very special guest uh, we are going to talk about social impact and how live streaming could help elevate the voices of misrepresented communities my guest today is Doug Roland he is a social media uh, sorry about that social impact filmmaker and he is also a media director at Helen Keller National Center Hello, Doug, and welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Absolutely, it's such a pleasure. Uh, I'm super thrilled about our conversation today because it's going to be it's going to be as you describe it a relevant conversation about super timely issues that is concerning everybody. Could you introduce yourself a little bit more? I know I did a little intro for everybody here, but could you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Sure. Yeah. I think the most relevant thing for today is as a social impact filmmaker, most of the last few years of what I've been doing is working on something called Feeling Through, which I partnered with the Helen Keller National Center to make in Helen Keller Services. A very, a kind of a nine, nine year long story short, I'll give you like the, the one minute version of it here. But it, it's all, it was all inspired by the first encounter that I ever had with the first deaf blind person that I met nine years ago when I was uh, still living in New York City. I'm in Los Angeles now. And uh, I was coming home late one night and I saw a man standing on a street corner holding a sign that said, I'm deaf and blind and need help crossing the street. So I tapped him and he took out a notepad and wrote that he needed a bus stop. I took him over there. And as is the case in New York and most cities very late night, if you've just missed a bus, another one isn't coming for quite a long time. So I, I wanted to let him know that I was gonna sit and wait with him. And I, I didn't know how to communicate with him. So I just instinctively just took his hand and started writing one letter at a time on his palm. And then we ended up having a whole conversation that way, me tracing one letter at a time on his palm, him writing back in a notepad and got to really know each other over the course of the next hour or so. And really felt like I'd made a connection with this guy who was this charismatic, just charming, funny guy to the point where as he was getting on the bus, we were giving each other a big hug. I'm tearing up going like, my new friend is like going off into the night. I'm never going to see him again. And that was the jump off point. Because I think a couple of things that, from that moment, first of all, Artemio, who was the man I met that night, was just a really and, and interesting person who made an impact on me. The fact that it was the first deafblind person I'd ever met and really the first time I'd ever even thought of the deafblind community really stood out to me. It, I ended up writing a film called Feeling Through which I reached out to the Helen Keller National Center um, for help to make it. Cause I was like, look, I know I want to cast a deafblind actor, but I also know I really don't know the community yet. Let's work together. And that's has started a three year journey where I worked with them to cast Robert Tarango, who, who turned out to be the, as we were making this, we found out is the first deafblind actor ever to star in a film. It's a literal film first, which kind of, again, as we'll get into, underlines the importance of representation and inclusion. If you're literally have, this is a population that there's as many as like a million people that are considered deafblind in the United States alone. 
and this is a film first. So obviously there, there's some things to get into about inclusion and representation there, but we've also worked together to take it. We, we were shooting a simultaneously, and sorry, this is now the two minute version of this story. There's a lot to get through, but we were simultaneously shooting a supporting documentary. And so we, we've been ta- we were taking this experience called the feeling through experience around the country, first in person and since the pandemic through live streams where it includes feeling through this supporting documentary and a panel discussion and Q&A with different people from the deafblind community and disability community at large. So it's turned into an opportunity to also discuss any number of topics with the deafblind community and give them more of a platform to speak on, on a whole host of issues, as well as the disability community at large that we featured. And very lastly, where Restream has, I, I will say as a Restream user, genuinely a big fan, I actually reached out to you, Anya, first, just to say, hey, I really love the platform and love what you're doing and love using it myself. She did not tell me to say this, by the way, this is on my own accord. But we've been doing, in addition to the larger live streams that we do of the Feeling Through experience, which you can go to feelingthrough.com and sign up um, for our mailing list to find out the next one of those. We also do a weekly live stream using Restream uh, called Feeling Through Live, where every Friday, right after we get off this, on our socials, on our YouTube and Facebook at Feeling Through, I speak with different people from the deaf, blind, low vision, and really disability community at large about a whole host of topics. So that's the whole thing that I just blurted out in one go. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great to get started, to give people the, the ability to understand what this conversation is going to be about. For the community here, we are going to take your questions. If you have questions for me or for Doug, please feel free to let us know. To get started, I invite you to share which social impact issue motivates you. Maybe you're not part of the specific community that we're covering right now, but maybe there's something else that is social impact important that you're working on in the context of live streaming or in the context of video content at all. Please share uh, with us, let us know. We'll be happy to look at what you guys are working on and what maybe some volunteering opportunities, anything really. I'm going to go ahead and play a little video uh, that describes that feeling through experience and is also related to the movie, the the film that you made. I think it's really moving and and awesome. So let me go ahead and, and play this for the community so they can get the understanding of how this looks and feels because it is really difficult to imagine how would uh, a movie screening look and feel for this community, right? For a blind person, how would a deaf blind person experience something like a film? So we're going to play this this segment real quick here. I hope you enjoy it. Over 300 people, including a lot of the local deafblind community, have come out for our L.A. premiere here at UCLA at the James Bridges Theater, hosted by the School Center for Social Impact Entertainment. We are very happy to have so many different communities here tonight to share in the feeling through experience and that whatever you may take away from these great films and the conversation that follows, that you'll learn as we have how crucial accessibility is. Our accessible screenings include open captions, ASL interpreters, tactile interpreters, and audio description. The film that we just watched is just beyond inspirational, and I'm sure it touched everyone's heart in this room. You're now part of the community, so you guys really make this experience. This experience does not exist without you and your wonderful feedback. Something that the media tends to do, which is they showcase deafblind stories as something very sad and negative and pejorative, but you reframe that whole experience as like just another person who has a different language, who has different accessibility needs, that we're all basically human. I really needed to work and collaborate with a lot of people to make this happen and continue to make it happen. I was hoping that I might be asked to do more films. 
Robert Tiny, why shouldn't more deafblind people be involved? Definitely, hire us. I'm gonna make it required viewing for my students. I feel like it's so important. Thank you so much. What was your favorite part of casting or directing? This is Doug speaking, that's a great question. Wow, after seeing this movie, thank you so much. Oh my goodness, my heart almost exploded because he finally had his dreams come true and I'm so proud of him. As a New Yorker, I really understood everything you were going for. It made me feel the feels. It was incredibly moving and insanely welcoming to people like me who now like have this new perspective on it. It really tells a story about connection, communication, and people working together. It was just an absolutely fantastic display of using film for social change. Our experience in putting the event together has made us so much more aware of everything being accessible. <laughs> What's great about the film uh, is how it draws so many communities together. It's such a universal experience. It just showed love and it showed that compassion and concern for other humans. It was so powerful. I was very touched by this. Doug Rowland <laughs> with the experience. I think this is really amazing. I'm so touched. I, I've seen the, the segment before. That's why I'm holding it together. But it is really beautiful and powerful. Can you tell us a little bit more about the film, about feeling through? What is the film about? What is the story, the plot, and also uh, the story behind it? Sure. And I'll, I'll get into that in one second, just to reference something that was in that video. For those of you who maybe aren't familiar, because it was something that I didn't know several years ago when I started this journey, the deafblind community, there's a wide spectrum of manifestations of deafblindness. It's, it, it includes anyone who's completely deaf and completely blind to legally deaf and legally blind, but has some hearing and some vision and everything in between. So what in that video is that we at our accessible screenings, and mind you, all of that was pre-pandemic, that footage, just to, to let everyone know, right. um, we do them all online at this point. Um, but what you see in those in-person screenings is you see anything from tactile interpretation, which is someone who relies on touch for communication. So it's ASL signed into the hand. Stage interpreters for people who are relying on their vision. Sometimes they're interpreters that are a little closer, depending on what someone's vision is. Audio description is something that's describing what's happening on the screen for those who are blind or low vision. And then subtitles as well. Open, open captions is what we use that we make extra large for people who need those, just to speak to what some of the accessibility components are in that video. And yeah, feeling through, again, it was very much inspired by the encounter that I mentioned a little while ago, but it is a fictionalized account of that. It, it centers around this young man, this 18 year old kid named Tariq, who we meet out late at night by himself. We gather from some of the opening sequences that he's someone who has nowhere to go that night and is in, and is in a really tough situation. That's why he's out late himself. And he encounters this man named Artie, very much inspired by Artemio, who, who I had met. Initially, Tariq is someone who in, in his own situation needs help, but sees that Ar 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 Artie is in need of help as well. And initially, Tariq kind of begrudgingly helping Ar um, Artie realizes that in turn, Artie really provides something for him and that it's, there's this real mutuality to their relationship ultimately. And one of the main things that I said when I first approached the Helen Keller National Center and something that's really important to note is it's a story that includes a deafblind character played by a deafblind actor, but it's not a story about deafblindness. It's a story about human connection, the power of human connection, despite our differences. And I think that's important because a lot of times when you see stories 
that include characters with disabilities, they can be potentially exploitative in the sense that sometimes the character with the disability is only serving the function in the story to inspire someone else or make them feel better about their own situation or something like that. And in this case, both characters have their own challenges. Both characters have their own strengths and both characters have something that they can provide for each other. So really like through the way in which their relationship unfolds, really uncovering this, this mutuality and what they both have to offer each other and the world ultimately. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really beautiful and inspiring. So on top of the movie, you also have a feeling through live show that you stream every Friday. It's a weekly show. And of course, it contains all those elements of accessibility and inclusion that we covered here. Can you break down the tech behind it in terms of hardware and software, everything that you need to use and how many people participate in those streams? in order to create that experience? Sure, so what we do is we get everyone together on a Zoom call and then we run that through OBS uh, software and then split it out through Restream to our YouTube, youtube.com slash feeling through and our Facebook, facebook.com slash feeling through. And the accessibility components on those weekly live streams include, we have an uh, ASL interpreter box so we have ASL interpreters interpreting the entire conversation. And we also use the open captions or the live captions that Facebook generates to have the, the live caption option. And one other, just to note, when we, although we have a little bit more resources for our occasional feeling through experiences, and that includes also we hire a live captioner for those and therefore not only have the live captions on the screen, but come away with something called a stream text link that the captioner is using that can be sent directly to someone who's using a braille display. So someone who's tactile and uses a braille display technology to give like a braille readout of what's happening, we can send that link to someone who's tactile and using a braille display so that they can be following along on that as well. And that can be done live, right? While uh, the, the stream is happening, the tactile translation can be experienced uh, at, in real time. This is... It's this is pretty amazing. This is really fascinating. I'm seeing so people are saying hi here. Hi, Gary. He says one of my favorite stories in regarding Helen Keller. And in terms of our question that we have for the community earlier, what kind of social impact issue motivates you? Gary says climate and social justice. Great stuff. And we are going to also talk about, so you mentioned the the interpreter plus closed captions. So this is thing that something that kind of interests me personally, because uh, both of those elements are catering to uh, deaf community primarily, right? So you have to see the sign language translator as well as captions. Why is it important to have a sign language translator interpreter versus just offering closed captions for the community that is primarily deaf and can experience the content through their eyes? That's an amazing question. And it's something that I really didn't understand before getting into this work, um, particularly with this project. And think of it like this. American Sign Language, ASL, is a distinctively different language than English. So to assume that someone can just easily substitute captions for ASL is to assume that I can easily substitute French for English. I may have learned French in school, like as an American, I may have learned it in, as a second language, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be, it's going to be as useful for me as having my native English language somewhere represented in some media. So someone who um, is a native ASL speaker, if you will, if that's their native language is American Sign Language, they're going to have, pref have uh, prefer that over 
language sub uh, captions in, in some cases. That's obviously not speaking for everyone, but for some people, that's the case. And that's why if you can provide both, you're able to uh, provide accessibility for a lot more people that way. That's awesome. Yeah, that is really interesting because we were trying to lucky guess the answer to that question with my team here. And one of the things that was mentioned by by some of Restream team members was like, well, with interpreter, you actually get to translate the emotions as well because closed captions are very dry. Even if it's the same language, it's still, it, it doesn't have the intonation, doesn't have the tone, doesn't have the emotion. And when you watch sign language translators, it's mind-blowing. Even not knowing the language, you still can get so much from their facial expressions. They use mimics so much. They use gestures. And it's just so much more dynamic to experience that. Like, I wish every single piece of content was actually translated with ACL because uh, a lot of times it, it just gives so much more volume and, and kind of like dynamic to the conversation. But I never thought about this from the perspective of it's a different language. So if my native language is sign language, like this is how I communicate, this is how I live and experience this world. Those captions are helpful, but just exactly the same way as like your second language, your third language transcript would, would help you to understand the content. Yeah, it gets you there, but it doesn't, it's not the experience that you're seeking. This is really powerful. Awesome. Good stuff. So speaking of live streaming and in the context of your live show and just in general, live streaming, gaining popularity across multiple platforms, do you believe that there's a special role of live streaming in elevating the voice of uh, deafblind community and, and people with disabilities in general? Yeah, absolutely. In the sense that what's really great, and obviously you guys are doing this at Restream and really well, but if you are able to cultivate a community around what it is you're doing in our case feeling through one of the one of the great privileges of, of working with Helen Keller services and the Helen Keller National Centers our ongoing partners in this is that we, we have really three years a full three years at this point of really connecting with the deafblind community and through that the as well as the blind and low vision community and deaf community and then has really rippled out to the disability community at large, which we we also feature on our, our platform. And what's great about it is it's like kind of the great equalizer, right? I don't need to rely on some, some other show or some, some network featuring our, the voices that we want to feature. We have the control to do that ourselves. And something that was already, that we already started to get at earlier in this conversation, noting that Robert Tarango, who's our deafblind actor and feeling through is the first deafblind actor ever to star in a film starts to get at the fact that there aren't enough uh, platforms for voices in the deafblind community, as well as the blind and low vision community. The deafblind community might be even less so like as representation again with that, that film first, but there are a number of communities out there. And again, the disability community at large, I think something um, a number that I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, so don't hold me to this exact fact, but something like it's something like 1% of or less than 1% of roles on TV are, are, are disabled characters. And it's still a very small percentage of those roles are played by disabled actors. So you st it starts to give you a sense of how little of a platform these really huge communities, when you look at numbers wise, there's as, as many as one in five people in, in the United States are um, part of the disability community. Like you start to think of how many millions of people that is and how few little representation there is. I think, you know, we're starting to move into a space where there's certainly more pressure on Hollywood, um, certainly more conversation around this. But I think people are starting to wake up to a real need to have their, their films, their TVs 
TV shows, even just their, their, any media like documentary news, be more reflective of the world that's actually around them. With something like Feeling Through Live, we have control over we have who we have on. So we've gotten a feature. You know, today's going to be our 25th episode. And again, if you want to watch that, it doesn't compete with your show. It happens right after. We're on 11 a.m. Pacific time, 2 p.m. Eastern time on youtube.com slash feeling through and facebook.com slash feeling through. But yeah, I'm going to add this caption here for people who are watching us right now. You can definitely catch up and see more what uh, Doug is doing and about this specific community and the movie um, at feelingthrough.com and at Facebook right here at this caption. That's awesome. Well, yeah, this is great. Um, I had a question for you about the, you know, the pandemic. Of course, it's kind of one of those that we can't avoid. You mentioned that the experience that you sh that that we shared earlier um, in the video was pre-pandemic. So, how did COVID nineteen change the way um, you're running the events, and just in general, what other challenges you're seeing that it, it's putting in front of the people uh, with disabilities and the community of deaf and blind people? Yeah, that's a great question. It's something we certainly talk about a lot on our platform. I think the main thing to start to get into that is you can imagine during a time like COVID where touch is prohibited, that has even more implications for a community such as the deaf blind community that, that are, it's a very tactile community that largely relies on touch. So you can start to probably through that, just imagine, wow, that's really challenging. But certainly some of the manifestations of that are Though a lot of us are experiencing some degree of isolation, a lot of the deafblind community is experiencing extreme isolation and many less uh, resources than they might normally have. A lot of actually feeling through live, our live stream was born out of a, a, an ability to address that directly and try to bring something that's accessible straight into people's homes and, and, and have engaged the community as much as we could on our end. Another thing that comes up a lot, and I, I imagine people who are watching this might have seen something pop up in their feed about this is the wearing of masks and how there are a lot of people in the deaf and, and hard of hearing communities who rely on seeing facial expressions, sometimes using some degree of lip reading to communicate. And that's been really difficult for tons of people during this time. You may have seen some of those uh, see-through masks that have popped up so that people can still see your, you can be wearing a mask and someone can still see your mouth oh, and your wow. expressions. But that's been really challenging for a lot of people too. And these are some of the things that like a lot of people don't think about because it doesn't, for, for understandable reasons, it's not something that affects their own daily life. And it's something just communicating with someone is something that a lot of people take for granted so much that it's understandable. You wouldn't think about it, but that's why it's nice to have hear voices from these communities who get to share their experience. And so we, I think anytime you understand someone else's experience, you understand yourself better. I think they're like to get a little bit more, I guess, if you will, like we're all one kind of sentiment around this. I do believe that just personally, one of the great gifts of connecting with and becoming friends with so many people in the, in the deaf blind community and learning so much about a community I previously didn't know a lot about was I feel like I know myself in a deeper way. And I know I connect with people around me in a much deeper way. And I think that's something that platforms that highlight these voices can really help to do. That's awesome. That kind of answers my next question, partially because I know that your mission, mission is to feature those conversations and to feature 
uh, the Voices of Blind community because those issues are relevant to all of us. And I was going to ask you why accessibility issues and inclusion are relevant to everyone. So you mentioned that is changing us and it makes us better human beings. Is there anything else you would like to add on that? Like, why is this relevant for everyone? Why should everybody care about the, you know, the, the problems and the challenges and the uh, exciting moments of that community? So I talk about this stuff a lot and I got to say, you're genuinely asking like all of the best questions that I get from like other things. You're really hitting the nail on the head here. This is something that we also have talked about a lot on Feeling Through Live and something that I've learned a lot about recently. There's this saying, accessibility is for everyone, right? And you can, it's a very multi-layered thing. There is this kind of highest level of it that we were just getting at that the more equitable of a world that we live in, the more that there is equal access for everyone, the more, the better everyone is and the better therefore each individual is. You can imagine if we're obviously in a very heightened time right now with elections coming up and we're all trying to imagine what the future is going to look like. And I think an easy thing to imagine if, if we were all better off, it would be a lot easier for each, if every kind of group was better off, it would be a lot easier for each individual to be better off. So that's like the highest level of it. But if you think about it too, there's a very practical element to it in the sense that a lot of the accessibility features that were first designed, you know, specifically for certain say disability groups are features that non-disabled people use all the time. The ability to, on your iPhone, change the size of the text or on your iPhone or various things also change the background of it so that you can see it better. Or these are all things that were initially conceived for disability communities that non-disabled communities use all the time. I think like an oft used one is that like elevator was initially used, like conceived, I think in its very first usage for people in wheelchairs. And I imagine we all use elevators pretty regularly. So these are, this is another example of how accessibility is for everyone because we all use accessibility in our lives, whether we consider ourselves, you know, part of the disability community or not. So there's, it's really operating on a couple levels in this really highest way and this really practical, like day to day, moment to moment way as well. I love that example. I think this is really powerful, how easy it is to forget about how many things came into our life that it's like we take for granted, but they, they originally uh, started as part of like helping those communities. I actually have another example, if you don't mind <laughs> sharing like closed captions. That's a great example of and working in live streaming world for years now. I can see that a lot of people, actually there are two types of people that experience live streams, not the way that as a host of a live stream, you would think that they would. So you think that when you host a stream, everyone is watching, everyone is listening, and everyone is commenting. Like this is your perfect world, the bubble that you live in. And then the reality um, at some point hits you that, okay, so a lot of people experience your stream without sound because they are just scrolling through and they, they find the topic that they, they find interesting. That's why captions are very important. That's why the graphics on your stream are very important and you know titling it correctly and, and giving a good and concise description. Because a lot of people just watch it on silent and read the captions because uh, they're doing something else or they're in a place where they don't want to or cannot have sound on. And another you know, that is people experiencing your live stream as a podcast. That's why it is a good idea to repurpose always. If you did a live stream, put it on a podcast because a lot of people, even with this live stream, are not going to watch us or 
comment. They're just going to have it on the background. They're going to listen to it in their headphones while they are cleaning the house or working on something or doing some kind of like routine task or driving in the car, maybe even. This is really, I think it's really interesting how all those things transform and transition into each other and things that are originally designed to help people who, who lack some abilities actually create opportunities for other people to utilize and, and consume content differently. So I think that's pretty exciting. Yeah. So I, I'm really interested in, because I love how you share the inspiring stories. And I know that one of your roles is a media director at Helen Keller uh, National Center. So I'm sure you're, uh, aside from the story that you shared in the movie that, you know, that inspired you, I'm sure there are other community members that have a very inspiring story of uh, breaking through despite all the limitations that, you know, the life gave them. How do you have any specific uh, story that you would like to share that kind of shows the power and, and the magic and the beauty of caring and sharing that community represents? Yeah, one of the again, one of the privileges of feeling through lives, I get to kind of talk to a, a new person with a new, really amazing personal story every week. I'm almost like inundated with too many at the same time. I think I, someone that I can mention just that we had on our last Friday, this gentleman named Cody Colchado, who's actually in Texas as well. He is, he won the title in 2015 as the world's strongest disabled man. He's a deafblind power lifter and strong man who has won 33 uh, different um, national competitions for weightlifting and is someone who, but I, I, that's just tells part of the story. I think it's someone, and, and if you want to go, if anyone who's interested in learning more about this, you can go to youtube.com slash feeling through and, and you'll find this episode. It's episode 24. He also talks about, he's someone who has two master's degrees. And, and this is actually an important point to talk about because actually October is National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And something that's one of the biggest causes that really the disability community at large, and certainly a lot of the work that the Helen Keller Services and the National Center are doing this month is getting out this awareness of the, the capabilities of these communities and the diverse capabilities. You have deafblind computer programmers and, and any kind of job you can think of. So to start to open people's minds as far as capabilities, in the sense that there's assumptions that people might make about hearing someone's deafblind and, and just assuming things that they can't do, really starting to change those assumptions and understand that there's on it, it's a person by person basis of their capabilities. And there's so many diverse capabilities within that. But Cody's story really exemplifies someone who's just one of the best, nicest guys you're going to meet, really smart, really hardworking guy who has two masters and still struggles to find a job like a large percentage of the deafblind community. I don't want to, I know I'm going to misquote this, but I want to say the the disability, the um, unemployment rates in the deafblind community are, they're extremely high. I, I want to say almost like 90%. I'm, I, I might be misquoting that. I need to go back and look at that, but they're extremely high. And it's not because there aren't people who aren't capable. It's because there are a lot of people who won't even consider um, hiring someone who's deafblind because of assumptions. So a lot of what we do with, with the media and, um, on our end and a lot of what we do with our platform is just by the nature of highlighting people and their stories and also just whatever they want to talk about. What you'll see is people who are, have diverse capabilities who are really smart and really capable and really hardworking and any, and, and, and the whole spectrum of things that anyone else would be. Cody's a great example of someone who uses the challenge. He, he had this really great, great quote when we were talking about, it. he says that he said that when he goes 
he told this great story about when these strongman competitions, they lift all these crazy things. They're not just lifting weights, they're lifting like cars and boulders and stuff. He told this really great story about when he was going to lift this car. And at first, at this competition, at first he did like a test of it and he couldn't even get one. And he's like, oh crap, like I'm not going to be able to do this. And he went back and he, he got motivated by someone, something that someone said, but he said in those moments, he really feels like he is, feels extra power from all the things that him and a lot of people in, in his community are told they can't do. That's something that really energizes him and gives him this extra strength. And I think he went back and lifted that car like 15 times, but it's just, you know, it's stories like that where you hear, we all, everyone has challenges in life, but there are certain people given how society is structured, given how certain kind of like commonly held beliefs, some of which are starting to get broken down that make things a lot easier for some people and a lot harder for other people just on a broad spectrum. And when you hear stories about people who have some extra challenges and obstacles in their life, when you hear stories of them being real about it too, because he spoke about it and a lot of people do higher incidences of depression in a lot of disability groups and marginalized communities as a whole. That's a real thing. It's not just all people who are constantly breaking through and triumphing. There's real challenges and real strife there. But when you hear people are able to somehow manage all that and find a way to, to break through that in whatever way they are. I mean, this is really, it runs really deep to the point where anyone that's, that's story at its heart. That's the power of storytelling. At it's heart. That's why we've been telling stories since we were writing cave paintings on walls is because there's something about seeing people to the most extreme conditions and finding a way to power through that, that really hits a really deeply core place in all of us. And I think sometimes you do, you do get a little bit more of that out of com marginalized communities that just by the nature of how society functions are experiencing more obstacles on a day-to-day -day basis than, than some other communities might be. Yeah, that's the kind of story we need today with all the crazy things that happen happening around this motivating stories of people who make impossible happen. Let me reintroduce you here for those who are just joining us. My guest today is Doug Rowland. He's social impact filmmaker and media director at Helen Keller National Center. Doug also has a feeling through live show that you can catch on his Facebook. And he is, we're talking about how live streaming can help social issues and how it can help elevate the voices of misrepresented communities and keep them included in, in the conversation, in the virtual space and, and just everything in between. So you mentioned uh, the International World Site Day that is coming up. You mentioned that October is the month of awareness for, of, of hiring people with disabilities, but there's also World Site Day that is coming in in the week. Do you have any special events or activities that you are organizing for the communities since it's very relevant to what you guys are doing? Yeah, no, that's a great question. We we will definitely, we'll be acknowledging that day for sure. It's something that is an international day um, to raise awareness around the country. Something that we're actually just given, something that it tends to be a little bit more of a day of recognition for Helen Keller Services and Helen Keller National Center which is right around this time is um, White Cane Safety Day, which is something that we'll be doing maybe a more concerted event around, which is on October Thursday, October 15th. And that's something that's raising awareness for those white canes that you see blind, low vision and deafblind people use often. Like, and, and again, not to steal the sh uh, shine from, from World Sight Day, because that's really important too. It just, White Cane Safety Day happens to be a day that is, is a little traditionally a little um, more featured at the organization. Again, anything that raises awareness for 
communities that, that are often um, not really spoken about or talked about is, is really important. And again, with White Cane Safety Day as an example, understanding what a white cane is used for, why someone uses it, and why it's also important for other people who don't use a white cane to understand why someone's using it, how they're using it, and to be more aware, for others to be more aware of their surroundings as well. So there, there's a real World Sight Day for the same reason, is to have a, a moment for people to maybe for those people who aren't part of those communities of blind and low vision communities to, to take a moment to think about another person's experience and what their um, world is like and their day-to-day life is like. Absolutely. And hopefully create space for them in the daily life of your different experiences. I have one last question for you before we wrap up. For those people who want to get involved, for those people who are thinking about a social impact issue that they want to, that they might associate themselves with or just feel like this is motivating them, this is moving for them. I know that they can find you on feelingthrough.com and I just displayed the Facebook page as well where you can catch the show as well as connect with Doug directly. What are the things that people can can do today in order to support the community? Great question. Certainly I also, in addition to feelingthrough.com where you can sign up for our mailing list and learn Join us for some of our experiences, which are free. Uh, join us for our live stream, which is free, um, which certainly addresses a lot more, a lot of the nuances we've been talking today. You can go to, you can also as well, I, I encourage people to go to HelenKeller.org, um, which will take you to all the information about Helen Keller Services, Helen Keller National Center, and Helen Keller Services for the Blind, which are all one entity together that have a lot more information there as well. I think the biggest thing, if, if there was one thing to say, I think it's to understand that, to first acknowledge that if you haven't taken the time to understand a community that you aren't familiar with, in, in this case, say the deafblind community, to immediately understand that there are probably a lot of assumptions that you're making that are wrong. And to take a little bit of time to, again, I encourage you to, to come over to our, our YouTube page as well and check it out. And if you watch a, f- a few of those episodes, you'll instantly understand the diversity in these communities, the capability in this community. And I think that's the biggest thing is really seeing someone as a whole person. A lot of times I've heard from a lot of people in the disability community that they feel like they're just being seen as their disability. And to really familiarize yourself through hearing straight from people from the deafblind community and, and other um, marginalized communities here, straight from them, their experience, their capabilities and everything is to all start to understand someone as a whole person where their disability is certainly an important part of who they are, but one part of who they are. And, and yeah. this multifaceted, you know, fully well-rounded person. So I think that's the biggest thing is just, if you take time to watch one of our episodes, go to helenkeller.org. And just learn a little bit, even if you have five minutes. You know, I always say I like to meditate. And some days I, I try to get up and I'm like, if I can do five minutes in the morning, just I know I have five minutes. If I can do five minutes in the morning, that has a huge ripple effect. So even if you just take you know five minutes today, then maybe it'll spark an interest for you in something. I know for me, the last thing I'll say on this is coming from me as someone who prior to meeting Artemio on the street nine years ago and prior to really actively getting involved with the community three years ago, I knew absolutely nothing about the deafblind community. And now I can say that some of my closest friends or some of my really dear friends are deafblind, are part of the deafblind community. And it's a community that 
I love. It's a community that I love working in and connecting with on a daily basis. And that all came, I was gifted with that through this encounter, but you don't have to wait for a chance encounter like that. You can go and, and, and watch some of our content, get to know the community more, check out Helen Keller Services and the Helen Keller National Center and Services for the Blind, and, and really learn because you're going to find that you're going to benefit so much from what you learn from this stuff. It's really going to have a direct one-to-one benefit for you as well. Yeah, that's amazing. Five minutes well spent, right? Because it can transform your life just like, just like it did for you, Doc. Thank you so much for sharing the story and thank you so much for, for being with us. It was such a pleasure to have you over at our show. My absolute pleasure. I really, again, I really love what you guys are doing at Restream. Again, I reached out to initially to say how much I, I really enjoy the platform. So two thumbs up for you guys and, and for you highlighting us out there working hard to tell people about our, our live streams. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, I really hope that Restream becomes that tool for all kinds of communities that gives them the voice and gives them the power. All right, as we wrap up here, let me toggle you out and uh, do my little closing. Thank you so much, everybody who showed up today. If you are watching uh, this show after we're live, so basically watching a replay, uh, feel free to leave your comments. Feel free to uh, share any thoughts on what you have seen and heard. There are several moments when we highlight how you can connect with Doug directly to get involved, please do. If you have any questions about Restream, about how to use our studio and how to create that space and that live content for your cause, for your social impact issue, or maybe not social impact, maybe any kind of, of thing that you have expertise and passion about, you can find more about us at restream.io slash studio. This is how we run our show and we definitely encourage you to give it a try and maybe start your own. This is it for today. We are going to wrap up for the weekend. I wish you a wonderful Friday, awesome and fabulous weekend. And I'm your host, Anya, here in Austin, Texas with Restream Team. I wish you a wonderful rest of your day. Bye, y'all.